going to ask if you'd grab your Bibles or your electronic device or the words will be on the screen. We're going to be looking at a text this morning, Psalm 73, Psalm 73. When Pastor Dan invited me to speak, he said he's been jumping around in the Psalms a little bit. I said, well, Pastor Dan, if it's okay with you, I'd like to stay with you and stick in the Psalms as well. And so we're going to be looking at Psalm 73 this morning, Psalm 73. And I'll be starting off here with three verses. We'll cover it in its entirety. We'll attempt to cover it in its entirety, but we'll be starting off with just three verses here. Psalm 73. Psalm 73 says simply this, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go to verse 28. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. And then verse 28. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. I want to speak to you from the subject this morning. I must have been tripping. I must have been tripping. Would you pray with me, our God and our Father? I thank you for Village Church, and I thank you for the light and the salt that they are here in the Hamden community, Father God. And now, God, as we journey through a few verses in your eternal word, we pray that you would give us understanding, that you'd give us wisdom, that you'd give us guidance, and that you would help us to know how to apply this in our lives so that we may enjoy you and be pleasing to you in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I must have been tripping. Um, before we get into this, I feel like I need to explain what I mean by tripping, right? <laughs> when I say I must have been tripping, some people are tripping. What, 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 is tripping? Uh, what I'm saying is tripping is, is, is sort of like when you know something to be true, but you kind of doubt it. You kind of begin to question it a little bit, or, or, or maybe you know something to be true, but you just kind of ignore the truth of the matter and you just look at the circumstances you look at what's going on and you just you just completely ignore what the evidence is telling you let me give you an example uh we got any pittsburgh Steelers fans in here exactly every year the pittsburgh Steelers fans come talking about how they're going to beat the ravens now they know the truth right they know it's not going to happen. It, this is their year, right? Uh, ben is finally healthy, right? Oh, we got Antonio Brown. Le'Veon Bell has only got a three-game suspension this year, right? Uh, they tripping. They, they tripping. That's, that's, that's not the truth. Well, here this morning, I want to let you know that sometimes we as Christians, we can trip on God, too. Many times in our lives, we can go through things where we know things to be true about God, but we began to question or we began to doubt or we began to come up with our own opinion and formulate our own thoughts about what's really uh, going on there. Tripping is not anything new. Uh, we look in the Bible and we see that many people trip throughout redemptive history. For example, Jeremiah started tripping, right? I'm prophesying to the people, I'm preaching, but they're not listening. They just want to kill me. What's going on here? John the Baptist started tripping, did he not? Now, he had good reason. He's sitting in jail, and the king's talking about beheading him, but 
he sent back to Jesus. He said, hey, that's my cousin. Are, are you the one or should we look for somebody else? Because I've been preaching the gospel and I'm in jail and this doesn't look right. Are you, are you really the one? I, I think there might be somebody else. Even disciples started tripping, right? They needed Mary and Martha to tell them what Jesus had been telling them for the last three years. I'm going to die and I'm going to raise again. And they didn't believe it. And some of them didn't believe it until they saw him. And then some of it didn't even believe then, right? Thomas, I got to touch you. I got to put my hands in. And so I want to let you know this morning that tripping is something that Christians are not immune to. There are things that go on in our lives. There are things that happen that can cause us to doubt, that can cause us to question, that can cause us to wonder, God, where are you? What are you doing? Your word says, but this is what I see. And what I want to do this morning is simply use Psalm 73 to encourage you this morning on what to do when you start tripping or if you perhaps should start tripping. And so this morning we see in our text several things from the from from, from the uh, psalmist here, the psalmist Asaph, who was one of three musicians who was appointed by David to compose psalms and songs. And we know that Psalms 50 and Psalm 73 through 83 were actually attributed to this psalmist Asaph. Other than that, we really don't know much about the circumstances except for what Asaph actually tells us. And so the first thing that I want you to see in the text is in verse one through two, one of the verses, two of the verses that we read. The first thing I want you to see here is the psalmist's confession. We see the psalmist's confession and the psalmist confessed. He said, you know what? There was a time where I started tripping. There was a time where I started doubting. There was a time where I started questioning God. Look what he says in the verse again. He says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. He starts with a premise. He starts with the foundational truth that he knows to be true about God and serves as a conclusion of sorts. He's kind of tipping his hat to the fact that even though I feel the way I feel, I, I know something to be true about God. He says, one, he's good to Israel. He's good to God's chosen. He's good to the descendants of Jacob. He's good to the Jewish family and community. He says, I, I know that to be true. I know how he's watched over the nation of Israel and how he brought them out and, and they were in Egypt land and God protected them and brought them out and watched over them and provided for them and brought them into their own land and built a temple. And I know he's good to them. I know he provides. He says to those who are pure in heart, not only to Israel, but to those who have placed all their trust in God. To those who have, in our day, surrendered their life to Christ. I know he's good. I know he's good to those he chose in the Old Testament. I know that he, he, he's good to those who have come in under Jesus Christ. I, I know he's good. I, I, I know that. I know that. But, but as for me, I started tripping. Started to get a little wobbly in my faith. I started to doubt a little bit. I, I started to have some questions. I started to say, well, well, well God, what, what's going on here? Are, are, you, are you really there? Are you, are you really there? Because I know you're good. Uh, but things don't really look like they should. And I like this confession here, Village Church. I like this confession. I think sometimes we, we need to be honest with God. We need to really say how we really feel. You know why? He knows anyway. <laughs> he knows what we're thinking. He knows what we're feeling anyway. But he begins to make this confession. And here's what I love about his confession. 
In his confession, he makes it clear that I know God is good. There's nothing wrong with God. There was something wrong with me. My faith began to stumble. My faith began to slip. My faith began to get a little wobbly. I started to question and I started to have some doubts. But God, as you said in the song this morning, he's the unchangeable I am. He, he, he never changed. And I think that's important for us to remember to have this type of confession when we're going through the trials and the tribulations of life, when we're suffering and we have the pains and the heartaches of life, that there's, there's nothing wrong with God. He's fine. God's fine. Even things, those things got a little shaky. It, it, it's me who started to get a little nervous. It's me who started to doubt. It's me who started to started tripping. I told our church one thing I like to do. Uh, I don't like to fly. I don't like to fly. I hate flying in planes. Am I by myself? Anybody else? Anybody else in here? Okay. I have one other, two other. Everybody else in here loves to fly. Good. Let's all take a flight somewhere one day. And, 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 and the one thing about flying is I hate the turbulence. Like I like getting somewhere fast, but I hate the turbulence. Am I the only one? I'm, I'm the only one scared of turbulence. No, I've got about two people, three people scared of turbulence. Okay. Okay. And that plane starts shaking, right? It starts shaking start shaking real good and you start getting nervous. You say, well, what is going on? I just, I just, oh, this is just bothering me. But one thing I've learned to do is I've learned to look at the stewardess because I realize that the stewardess knows what's going on. And even though in my mind and what I see is, you know, the ship's going down, the ship's going down, right? It's bad. The plane's going, right? The stewardess is sitting there I'm in the back, you know, but she, and it helped me to understand, to look at the one who knows and who understands and who uh, has been in the situation and knows what's going on in the situation in order to gain my bearings. In other words, when things start shaking, when things start getting wobbly, instead of us doubting that God is in control, we need to just look at God and remember and recognize that even though we have these problems, even though we have these trials, even though we're doubting, we're wondering, God, where is you? God, where are you? God is up in heaven like, I got this under control. This is not a problem for me. And so here we see the psalmist's confession. God is good. I started tripping. But then the thing we see in verse 3 through 12 is we see the psalmist's cause for concern. Look at what the psalmist says. The psalmist begins in verses 3 to 12 to talk about his concern. And his concern really is the wicked seem to be getting away with everything. The wicked seem to be doing well. The wicked seem to be prospering. That's what he does in verses 3 to 12. He begins to identify what is causing him to start tripping. He says, I, I started tripping because everywhere I looked around me, the wicked, the people who don't trust in God, the people who haven't surrendered their life to Christ, the people who, who don't trust in God, they seem to be doing all right for themselves, for people who don't believe in you, God. Look at what he says in verse three. He says in verse three, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I became envious. I became jealous. I began to want what they had. Uh, they look good. They look like they're, they're doing all right. They, they have wealth. They have, not only, they have abundance. And I saw that, and that made me think, God, that I thought you blessed the good and punished the evil, but here the wicked are the ones who are doing well. He says, for they have no pains until death, verse 4. Their bodies are fat and sleek. 
he says, they live their life with no pain at all. They do well. Here I am doing everything. I'm watching my diet. I'm watching everything I eat. And I've got diabetes and hypertension and high cholesterol and everything. They eat everything they want to eat, and they're not suffering anything. They're doing fine. They're not even going to the gym. I go to the gym every day to lose a pound. They sit on the couch, and they're doing fine. He says in verse 5, they are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Those who trust you, God, it seems like I can't even take a snicker bar from the Royal Farms without the alarm going off. They able to rob whole banks and everything and get, it's just, just getting away with it, just doing fine. They have stashes, cars and houses and everything. God, what is going on here? He says their, their, their pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Now, not only do they do wrong, but they boast about it. They are violent with other men, and they got the nerve to walk around like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. I am who I, 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 I'm the man. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their heart overflows with folly. They scoff and speak with malice. Lawfully, they, lawfully, they threaten oppression. They're going around getting everything that they see and Nothing is good that is coming out of them. Everything that they want to do is foolishness. Everything they desire is foolishness. Everything they say is foolishness. The way they act is foolishness. And then, and they, they, they speak with, with malice. They, 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 they cussing all the time. They talking about people all the time. It's, it's just, it's just, it's just a bad thing, God. What's going on here? He says in verse nine, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, as people turn back to them and find no fault in them, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, this is, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. He said, you know what, God? Not only are they going around having all the things that they could ask for, they've got all the cars, all the houses, all the women, all the men. They've got all the, the gold, all the platinum, all the titanium, all the stuff. They, they, they've got everything. They've got all the iPads, all of the, the Samsung Galaxy Notes. They have everything, God. And they've even got the nerve to shake their fist at you and say, who are you? What does God know? Who is God? Look at me. I'm, I'm living fat. I do my thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm living the way I want to live. I don't believe in your God. Where is your God? Your God is nothing. The psalmist said, God, I started to lose faith because when I looked out, this is what I saw. When I looked out in the Baltimore city, when I looked out in the Baltimore, when I looked in the Maryland, when I looked at this is what I saw. I saw wicked people with all of earthly's pleasures getting away. What is going on, God? What are you doing? Where are you? What, 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 what's going on? And so we see that the psalmist's cause for concern, the psalmist's cause for concern was the wicked seem to be prospering. The wicked seem to be getting away with everything. But can I tell you something? It's not just the wicked getting away with everything that can make you cause that can cause one to start to question God and to doubt God. For some of us this morning, we're not even paying attention to that. That's so far out of our purview. What the wicked have. We just struggling with our own stuff. We don't even know that the wicked are getting away. For some of us, you know, it can be the loss of a loved one. I can't tell you how many people I've counseled who have lost a loved one and said, why, why, why did God allow this to happen? Where is God? We, we, we put our trust in God. Why did he allow this to happen? 
I can't tell you how many broken relationships, divorces, and, and children with parents and parents uh, uh, alienated from children and brothers and sister relationships, and even people in the church who, who, who have gone through trials and tribulations. And, well, 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 why did God allow this to happen? Where is God? Where is God? I thought God. I thought if I thought if I if I gave my life to Christ, my marriage would be fine. I thought if I gave my life to Christ, uh, that that my children would be fine. Where is God in all of this? Perhaps. For some of us, our concern is our health situation. I, I thought that, I thought God would be able to heal me. I, I didn't think I'd go through all this. Perhaps it's a school situation. Perhaps there's a situation on our job this morning. But we go through things in life. Circumstances come up on us in life and they often make us ask, well, what are you doing, God? If you're really in control, then what's going on? Whatever it is, anything to cause us to doubt, to lose hope, to lose faith, to start tripping, these are concerns that we have in our life. But then the psalmist has a conflict. He recognizes his, his cause for concern. The cause for the concern is the wicked for him. Like I said, for you, it might be something else. But that created a conflict in him. The conflict that it created in him is found in verses 13 and 14. Look at what he says in verse 13 and 14. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. You know what the psalmist is saying? I don't understand. God, is all this coming to church for nothing? Is all this reading my Bible, is all this getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and doing my daily devotional, is that for nothing? Because I'm struggling, but the wicked seem to be doing fine. Should I stop doing devotion? Should I stop reading? Should I stop praying? Should I stop coming to church? God, I'm doing everything that I can. I'm giving to the church. I'm, 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 I'm in Christian community. And nothing seems to work. Is it, is it all in vain? Have you ever felt like that, church? I know I have. God, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I'm trying to do right, but they seem to be doing fine. They seem to be prospering. What's, what's going on with me? And so he has this conflict. Is it, is it all for nothing, God? Is it, is it all for vain? But then I like here, in verse 15, the psalmist begins to have a moment of clarity. The psalmist begins to have a moment of clarity. You know what the psalmist says in verse 15? He says, you know what? I must have been tripping. I must have been tripping. Look at what he says in 15. He says in 15, if I had said I will speak thus, what I, all that stuff I just said, if I would have said that, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned therein. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakens, O Lord, when you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a wild beast towards you. The psalmist begins to have a moment of clarity. He begins to understand, wait a minute, that's not true. That's not, all this time he's been 
pouring his heart out to God. Why are the wicked getting away? I don't understand, God. I'm doing all of this praying. I'm doing all these devotions. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm trying to live in community. I don't understand why the wicked. And then all of a sudden it hits him. Wait a minute. That, that's, that's not the case. And I like what he says here. If I would have came to church and spoke that in front of your children and said, you know what? I know God is good, but the wicked are, 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 are prospering and all of this seems to be in vain. He says, I would have been foolish for doing that. And I love the fact that he does that, church. Can I tell you something parenthetically? Sometimes when we're going through stuff and we're really, really struggling, we're really, really questioning God, we're really, really uh, doubting, we began to wonder where he is. Sometimes it's better not to get up in church and say a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, sometimes it's better just to shh and, and wait, wait on God. <laughs> Wait on God to help you to understand because what happens sometimes is while we need to be honest with how we're feeling, we can make the mistake of sometimes accusing God. We can get up in front of everybody and say, God, God, this is what God is doing. Hey, everybody, you see how we're in church every Sunday and all those guys out there washing their cars and cutting their lawn, they're doing fine. And we're in here struggling, and and it's foolishness. And that's what the psalmist says in verse 15. If I would have got up and made my complaint against God, I would have just been speaking foolishness. I would have been lying on God because how I thought was not the truth. But here's what I want you to see in verse 16. He was struggling to understand this. He couldn't understand it. God, why is everybody getting away? He just can't understand it. It's just bothering him. And look at when his moment of clarity came moment of clarity came in verse 16 through 17. When I came into your sanctuary. When I got into your presence. When I took it to you in prayer. I wanted to bring that up this morning, Village, because I feel like sometimes, and and I struggle with this as well, Sometimes when we start tripping, we start questioning, we start wondering, we start doubting. We know truth about God, but it doesn't seem to be going the way we think it should go. or The circumstances seem turbulent and shaky. A lot of times our response is to run away from God. A lot of times our response can be to get away from God and to get away from his people. I've called several church members to say, hey, you know, I I haven't seen you in a few weeks. And I was just wondering if there's something that the church has done wrong or maybe have we offended you? No, no, no. I'm just dealing with something and I just need time away right now. I want to encourage you this morning, church, when you're dealing with something, that's not a time to run away from God. That's a time to run to him. The psalmist says, I was struggling, trying to figure it out like by myself. The doctor said it doesn't look good. The financial situation didn't look good. My spiritual uh, soul, I was embattled in my soul. Uh, my, my relationship, my marriage didn't look good. Things are not going well with my children. Things are not going well in my job. And you know what? I, I blamed it on God. And here's what I did. God's at fault for this. So I'm going to run away from God. And I'm going to work this thing out myself. I'm going to get counselors and I'm going to get the second job and I'm going to get tutors and I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to figure this out. He said, my moment of clarity came. I realized when I got into the presence of God. Second thing I want you to see about his moment of clarity is that his moment of clarity came when he 
came face to face with the truth. Look at what he says in verse 18 through, 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 through 19. Truly you set them in slippery places. You, have, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors like a dream when one awakes. Oh, Lord, you yourself arouse. When you arouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. I love that. I love that. He had his own opinion about how things were working. He had a perspective on his circumstances that, you know what, the wicked are getting away with everything. But here he has a moment of clarity. He comes face to face with the truth. And the truth of the matter is the wicked seem to be prospering now, but they're not going anywhere. They're not getting anywhere just because they seem to have things here on earth. They have a date with God and the date with God is called judgment and there's going to come a day where God is going to deal with the wicked and I like what he says here in verse 20 he's going to deal with the wicked in such a way that now you we look around and we see wicked all around us and we see them getting away with crimes and getting away with things and prospering he's going to deal with them in such a way that when he deals with them you won't even remember that they were there he says like a dream when one awakes you despise them as phantoms when God gets through with the wicked, you'll forget that they were even there. Psalm 37 says it like this. You'll look for them and you won't be able to find them. They will be gone. And here's what I want you to see from that church. Sometimes we can begin to wallow in our self-pity like he was in verse 3 through 12. We can make up our own reality and construct our own truth and paint our own picture of what we think is going on. But that what we see is not always the truth. What we perceive, what we see with our human eyes is not always the truth. We have to conf get confronted with the truth of God and what's really going on. And a lot of times that in and of itself is what helps us to have our moment of clarity. We won't get our moment of clarity by going from person to person complaining. We don't get our moment of clarity by constantly saying what the problem is and what we see. The way we get our moment of clarity is we get into the truth of God's word. And we see what God's word says. And then that truth helps us to have a moment of clarity and realize, oh, yeah, that's right. The wicked aren't getting away with anything. God is good and he's going to deal with the wicked. The, tr the, 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 the truth of the word helps us to understand, oh, 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 yeah, I lost a loved one. But it's not because God is angry at them or angry at me. It's appointed to every man wants to die and then the judgment. That's the truth. That's a, 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 a effect of our fallen state. But those who are in Christ don't sorrow like those who don't have hope because we know the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those of us who are going through relationships, we see the truth that because of the gospel, reconciliation is possible. And so our moment of clarity comes when we're confronted with the truth and we don't have to wallow in our own thoughts and self-pity. We can see what the word of God says. And we can stop tripping. The third thing I want you to see before we move on here is in verse 21 through 22. He said, I was embittered. Again, the psalmist confesses what he saw made him feel some kind of way. Let me say this, church. Um, I believe God has emotions. The Bible tells us that God is happy, that he gets sad. We see that, that he gets angry. And therefore, I believe God created us with emotions. And we have these different expressions. 
happiness, anger. Even anger is okay, right? Ephesians chapter 4, be angry and sin not. And so we have these different expressions of emotions and feelings, but here's what we have to be careful not to do. We have to be careful not to let our emotions and feelings dictate to us what reality is. We have to look beyond our emotions and our feelings to the reality and look for moments of clarity so that we don't start questioning and doubting and tripping God. He said, he said, I was embittered. You know why I acted the way I did? Because of how I felt. I let how I felt dictate what I thought about my situation. I let how I felt dictate what I thought about God. He said, I, 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 was a brutish and ignorant. I came like a beast toward you. God, I charged you like a raging bull with no common sense. I acted out of ignorance. Why? Because I, I let my feelings control how I came at you rather than the truth or the reality that you're good to Israel and to those who are pure in heart. And then the last thing we see here in this text, after the psalmist has made his confession, He's taken his concern to God. He's he, he he's discussed the conflict, why this was bothering him so much. And, and then he has this moment of clarity. And then he comes to his conclusion in verses 24, uh, 23 through 28. Look at what he says. Nevertheless, I am continue, continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of his works. Here we see the psalmist's conclusion. I'm not going to trip. I'm going to trust God. I'm not going to trip. I'm not going to question. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to wonder. I'm not. And even in the times where, where, where doubting and question, questioning and wondering where is God and what is he doing? And wait a minute. This is not what your word says. He, he says, even in those moments, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop trying to figure it out myself. I'm just I'm just going to trust in God. Let me show you a few things and then I'm going to give you some application. I'm going to get out your way. Verse 23 through 24. Look at what he says. God is his guide. God is his guide in verses 23. I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will receive me to glory. I, I like that because what he's saying is, is that uh, God, regardless of what I saw, regardless of what I think is going on with the wicked, actually, I'm doing pretty good. And here's why I'm doing pretty good, God, because you're holding my right hand. You are leading me. You are guiding me everywhere I should go. Every step that I should take, you are with me. I have your presence with me. And you know what, God? I, I forgot that for a minute. For a minute, I thought it was about having stuff. I, I thought I thought the symbol of your blessing was about having stuff and getting away with stuff and not being in trouble and being healthy all the time and having great relationships all the time. But now I see I'm the one who's blessed. Now I see what good really is, and that is being in your presence and holding on to your hand and being led by you as I go through this life all the way until you receive me to glory, all the way until I die. Look at what he says. Whom have I have in heaven but you? There is none on earth that I desire besides you. My heart 
may, my flesh may fail, my heart may fail. I love that. He says, you know what? God, you're all I got. And you're all I need. As long as I have you, I'm good. And here's the thing, God. I, I, I'm frail. I'm a human. And I'm not going to lie, God. Sometimes the way I see things, I, I don't always just say, bless the Lord. When I lose a loved one, God, I don't always just say, bless God for that. When things go wrong on my job and go wrong in school and in my relationship and in my finances and in my, my spiritual walk, I don't always say, bless the Lord. My heart may fail. My flesh may fail. But you are my strength. In those times, God, I know not to try to figure it out like I did in verses 3 through 12. I know now, God, that in those times where I, I get discouraged because we will experience discouragement, in those times where I'm despondent, in those times where I find myself going into a mild depression, I know now not to try to figure it out but to depend on you for strength. You will give me strength, God, to keep believing. You will give me strength, God, to keep having faith in you. You will give me strength, God to keep my eyes on you and not on the things that I think I see. I love that he says that. He says, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. I like this because we see this great contrast here. Those ones who he was jealous about, those ones who he was envious about in verse 3 through 12, he recognizes their, their day is coming. Their day is coming. And he says for 28, but me, for me, it's good for me to be near God. I like this church. Because notice, notice that from the beginning of the text to the end of the text, he started the text, surely God is good to Israel. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. And he ends the text for me, it is good. So we start with what's good and we end with what's good. But there's a difference between the two. And you know what the difference is? It's not God. God has been good all the time. The thing that changed in his conclusion was his definition of good. See, he thought in verses 3 through 12, good was prosperity. He thought in 3 through 12, good was getting away with troubles, getting away, being able to, to, to do what I want, walk around and brag about it and not have any consequences for living the life that I live. But now he sees that good is being in the presence of God. For me, it is good. Why was I tripping? I must have been tripping because I actually have what is good. It's not the wicked that have what is good. I have what is good because I have the presence of God. If you go back and you read throughout redemptive history, you read about guys like Abraham. You read about guys like Jacob and Isaac. Yes, yes, yes even Jacob, even the trickster, the swindler, where the Bible says over and over again, and God was with him, and God was with him, and God was with him. They made silly mistakes. They ran into silly situations. They put themselves in the situations. They lied. They messed up. They cheated. They stumbled, and God was with them. But because God was with them, he was able to guide them out of their foolishness and back into his eternal presence. You have people like Joshua who was able to take over a fortified city with a few priests and a couple of horns and people walking around the city. Didn't lift one finger, never shot one arrow, never fired one cannon, but God was with them. The presence of God is what the psalmist says is good to me and I've made the Lord my refuge. I'm not going to trip anymore. I'm going to trust in God from now on. 
God is going to be what I hold on to strength. God is going to be the one that I rely on in the times when I begin doubting. I'm not going to try to work it out all myself. I'm going to trust in God from now on. And so what application can we take away from this village this morning? Number one, if you find yourself tripping, if you find yourself doubting, if you find yourself questioning, verse 17, run to God and not from him. Run to God, not from him. Get in his presence. That's not just coming to church. You can go in your own little quote unquote prayer closet. You can pray right where you are. Get into the presence of God immediately and express to him, hey, God, this is the father, you know, reverently now, father, this is what I'm going through. And I don't like this. And I don't say, don't, don't, don't run from God. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't try to do your own thing. Run to the presence of God. What is the second thing we can do if we start doubting or wondering? We need to recognize and realize the truth of the situation. And the truth of the situation is not always what we see or what we feel or what we think it is. We need to run to God's word and we need to understand all of this stuff we see going on in our nation, all the stuff we see going on in our city of Baltimore. It's described here. It's not specifically saying Baltimore City, but it's described. And the solution for it is described as well. The truth of the situation. Be confronted with the truth and the truth that we all need to walk away from. If this Bible doesn't tell us anything else about how God has worked with his people, one thing it tells us for the last 6,000, 7,000 years, God has been fully in control of everything that goes on on this earth. Everything. Since the day he created it, he's been in charge of what's going on. We need to remember that truth. Number three, we need to rely on God for strength. It's natural sometimes to want to complain. It's natural sometimes for us to be discouraged. It's natural for us sometimes to go to our friends because we want somebody to tell us that, yeah, it's really as bad as we think. We want to pat on the back. Yeah, it's okay. No, you're right. You're right. I see that too. I see that too, right? But we need to rely on God for strength. Because to be honest with you, as a pastor, as a pastor who was pastoring in East Baltimore, my flesh fails. My heart fails me. But there's strength in God to sustain me in those times. Number four, for those who are struggling with the fact that, you know, I, I'm doing everything I can. I'm, I'm trying to keep a clean nose here. But my neighbors, they don't seem to be they, they seem to be getting away with stuff. We need to remember that God's going to judge the wicked. He, he's going to take care of that. You don't need to try to play judge. And you don't have to worry as if they're getting away with a whole bunch of stuff. God, God's got a date for them. In the meantime, all we do is we, we proclaim the gospel. And hope to save as many of those from that judgment as possible. But for those who refuse and reject God, just remember, the day is coming. They're not getting away with anything. It may seem like it, but they're not getting away with anything. And number five, just like verse 28, we want to remain in the presence of God. We want to remain in the presence of God. We want to get in his presence. We want to pray. We want to be amongst his people. We want to gather when his people gather. We want to seek him as much as we can and remain in his presence. Because if we have the presence of God, we have everything we need. The wicked are not going anywhere. They're not getting ahead. Your troubles and things, God is watching over all those. And it doesn't matter what trouble you face this morning, Village Church. It doesn't matter what kind of circumstances you see and what type of discouragement. If you have God, you have all you need. I don't care if it's spiritual failure. I don't care if it's financial. I don't care if it's health. I don't care if it's relationships. I don't care if it's academic or job career related. Whatever. If you have God, you have all you need. And so I say to you in this morning in conclusion, trust God. Don't trip. Don't worry about the, the wicked. 
their, their way is, is, is determined. You stay in the presence of God. Don't trip. Trust in God. Let me pray for you.